hello friends or welcome back if you've been here before and thanks for downloading this episode of How to Wow with punk rock icon Billy Idol. Billy came to see me on my radio show at the top of the news tower where I host the Virgin Radio breakfast show with our pals at Sky and he did not disappoint. I don't mind telling you, I was a bit scared. I've always been a bit frightened of Billy Idol and I did bring this up with him during the chat Um, but he was profound, he was thoughtful he was candid um, and he didn't shy away from any question that I asked him. So that conversation is still to come. But first, my friends, every morning, Tash, my wife and I go scoop da loop with one heap scoopful of this all round nutritional insurance, which is made up of no less than 75 vitamins, minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood, scientifically researched and blended together to support and improve energy, recovery, immunity and digestion. Deep seaweed green like nature itself. This eye candy concoction takes just a few seconds, like no more than five or six. Okay, ten tops to prepare and taste absolutely gorgeous. And so here's how you can get yours. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow and join health experts, athletes and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow. Okay, and don't forget slash how to wow because this will entitle you to the special deal Athletic Greens have given how to wow listeners. A free year's supply of vitamin D and five travel free packs today to take with you on the go. Once again, Athletic greens.com slash don't forget how to wow all right as promised here we go 20 minutes of gold this is a quickie but i'm sure you're gonna love it from the aforementioned billy idol how you doing there chris <laughs> hi everybody how are you great thank you doing doing fine you look fantastic oh well that's great to hear you know so do you man so how I does think... it feel being billy idol in the here and now well, it's rather fantastic. Uh, I've got uh, a record out at the roadside. It's doing quite well. And uh, we're also playing next summer with the Go-Go. So we're playing Wembley Arena and things. So it's all looking up. It's exciting, you know. The Roadside and Single, it's an EP. A uh, bit of taste. We'll play it now. It's out now. Uh, the tour, go for tickets, billyidol.net, on sale from 9 o'clock. So they've been on sale for 38 minutes. Billyidol.net, if you want to see Billy on tour with the Go-Go's. Tell us about you and the Go-Go's. How did you guys hook up? Well, I've known them for years, really way back from the early 80s uh, you know so uh, yeah we yeah one way or another we've known each other for yeah just forever so so it's kind of fantastic and it's just a great great bill really okay and they're great tours great dates as well um, you have these arenas we have Glasgow Manchester the SSE Hydro the AO Arena Manchester Birmingham Resorts World Arena number, London the SSE Arena in Wembley Cardiff the Motorpoint Arena Leeds First Direct Arena and these are all June dates Saturday 11th through to Tuesday the 20th 21st of June. What a laugh. Um, you're going to tear it up, aren't you? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. How? What's a Billy Idol gig like nowadays? Well, so, uh, funnily enough, it's still virtually the same. I mean, I'm virtually do the same same stage act I've always done. So, uh, you know, I've got the same band, Steve Stevens and everything. So, yeah, no, it's not so different. There was even screaming girls the other <laughs> the other night. You know, I couldn't believe they're 45, but they're screaming. So I, it's OK. I'm um, enjoying it. Tell us about your health regime. I know you've ridden the roller coaster of rock and roll, and um, so have um, a lot of us. But tell us, because you, you do look really, really well. I mean, how do you look after yourself? Well, I do think uh, being a singer, you know, I am. this is the instrument, you know, so I do have to take care of it. Because, you know, also I think to be a singer and everything, you have to be fit, you know. 
know, because, uh, yeah, you are the instrument. So I really do take care of myself and uh, I do Pilates and TRX and, you know, things that will you know, strengthen me inside and stuff. And uh, you can use all of it to power your voice. So it's it helps it helps to be fit, you know, to it do does, this job. It? And, you know, if you are tired or you are under the weather, the first thing to go is your voice. It's, it's, it's your own sign to yourself that th- something needs to be attended to. That's right. That's, that's yeah. The other guys, they can take out a screwdriver and, you know, they can, <laughs> you know, I can't do that. So you have to tune it up yourself. So, yeah, it's a lot to, yeah. You have to think about that. All right, and living and uh, breathing in Los Angeles can go um, one of a few ways, of course. But if you do want a healthy lifestyle, it's not a terrible place to 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 inhabit, is it? No, no, it's actually it's great for that because uh, so many other people are doing the same thing, and uh, so yeah. I've enjoyed it. Tell us about how you became one of our great British exports. What happened? How did you take what you took over to America? And how long did it take for that to, to effervesce and to, to pop out of, uh, for, the G, for, for the Billy Idol genie to pop out of the lamp? Well, I actually had an American manager, Bill O'Coin, he managed Kiss, and he'd, he'd worked in television. And so he knew the cable world, and he knew in 1979, 1980, that MTV was around the corner and that uh, I'd be perfect for it. So it was just a matter of really, once we were, we you know made some good songs, so it was a matter of just getting on MTV, really. Because we did have a bit of problem with the radio, the new artists, we, you know, because it was so such a lockout from the 70s. But then uh, MTV was a great platform and it just broke everything down. And next minute, we were on the radio and boom, every just thing, everything just took off. So it was a lot to do with MTV as a, as a great platform. Billy, so many questions. Um, how did you get Kiss's manager to manage you, a relative <laughs> unknown? Yeah, I don't know, really. Uh, it was just, it was almost a joke thing that uh, that we did. We just uh, said to the record company, "What about Below Coin?" And funnily enough, uh, he was looking for somebody. Yeah, somebody new to manage. And uh, yeah, when he saw you, was it love at first sight from a <laughs> business point of view? Well, I think he knew that there was this cable TV thing coming, and so he was looking for people, someone who could fit on it, really. And uh, somebody who's overtly visual. Yeah, no, that was me, you know. So, was, and the name Idol was even more, more for the eighties. Idol, Madonna, Prince than 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 it was punk in a way, you know. It sort of it wasn't nasty and vicious, you know. So, funnily enough, it was more eighties. So uh, I don't know. A lot of it was just luck, pure luck, really. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and uh... now for london punk and the sex pistols and, and bands like them you know 1976/77 uh, that's one side of punk but of course new york had its own punk scene which predated what was going on here oh yeah and then you sort of i don't know that you parachuted into los angeles or you snuck under the barbed wire i'm not quite sure but you you, you got <laughs> punk in via, via the back door didn't you really into... well i just knew because there had been the punk rock scene the cbgb thing i just knew there was going to be a lot of like-minded musicians and though Bill O'Coin already knew Steve Stevens so uh, once I saw his abilities I just knew I could go all over the map with my music I could do anything I wanted and Steve could bring it home so that's what's worked all these years and it's still working on the new EP I believe and you did have a you, you, you do have a signature sound don't you like like no other and it is a, it is a hybrid isn't it if you like of how, how would you describe it well, you know, when I look back at you know since me singing live with Generation X, you know, really I, I couldn't really sing. But that was the great thing about punk; it kind of gave you a chance. And over the years, I've worked it, 
And I think I've ended up with something. It's recognisable for a start. That's a big factor, I think, in music. But well, that was the wonderful thing about punk, as you've just referred to there. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was you didn't have to be able to play. And I know bands yeah. like that now who are really well known. Who weren't punk bands? They were sort of way past, way post punk. You just get on there, and and the best way to learn your craft or learn to fly the plane is by by upping your flying hours. It's as simple as that. Sometimes. Yeah. No, that's it. And uh, yeah, we spent quite a long time on the road in the uh, two, early two thousands onwards and I think just over the time I've I've developed just a lot better than I was when I first started out but there you go maybe you're sick of the thing you love and it comes through you know so just shows and, just and, gotta uh, stick at it you, you know, were very close to the punk scene here how many what, what's like tell, tell us about your experiences as a fan before you became a performer well it's just incredible I mean I went to some of the early very very early Sex Pistol shows at the uh, 100 Club on Oxford Street and you know I watched them sort of go from playing covers to putting new songs in and you know a couple of the first new songs were pretty vacant and then anarchy in uk and just hearing that because they were great songs you go now these kids are my age they're not that great on their instruments but look what they're coming up with yeah so it was it was very galvanizing and it just yeah and then i knew we knew i knew mick jones of the clash through tony james and uh, so one way or another we started to know there's all these other people and then then it just exploded with uh, the grundy incident on uh, on television over the pistols uh, and when you go to gigs like that you know and there are fewer and fewer of these kind of um, opportunities available this the, the, there are as many stars in the audience as there are on stage well, that yeah in punk rock that was true yeah that was all that's what it was all about it's really you come out of the audience onto the onto the stage and uh, did you have this look then when you went to go and watch the sex pistols well i developed it over time and everything and uh, we were kind of you know everybody was looking for a, a new way to look really so uh <laughs> yeah, but it was really good fun. I mean, when we initially started out, we just really didn't think it was going to go on forever. I thought it was six months, a year, maybe two years. Didn't care, yeah. I would imagine. And then, kaboom, it just went massive. And uh, here we are, 45 years Still later. Still talking about it. Yes. And I'm yeah. really excited. I mean, not just talking about it, excited to talk about it. What was it like? You know, on one of those nights, those nights, pick a night in the 100 Club watching the Sex Pistols. What was it like? Well, it was just fantastic because they, they did have this anarchic way of going. They weren't doing a stage act, you know. The the act was there was no act. So it was just really, yeah, you know, even, Mal, even Steve, Johnny was talking to Malcolm, slagging Malcolm off, you know, Malcolm McLaren. Or if, or if somebody came in off the street because there's hardly anybody there, he'd immediately, they'd have long hair and flares, he'd immediately... <laughs> Throw them out. <laughs> Started saying, "Why didn't you go back to your Melanie records?" Oh, it's horrible. You know, it just was. It was great because you'd never seen anybody do that. You know, right. save the. You know what was on their mind completely. Instead of saying, "You're all beautiful out there and we love you," you know, it was doing the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. And it was so refreshing, and it was what we were looking for. Really, that was what was great. We were looking for this band. We you know because we knew what was going on in the states and in, in New York, so we knew about the Ramones. We knew about television, Talking Heads, and Blondie. But here we were starting to get our own version of it. So it was, and look what it was like. You know, the Pistols just over the top, and then the Clash, and everybody came along. So, what was the timeline between you going to watch the Pistols and bands like that, like the Clash, like you're referencing here? Well, actually, by that summer, I was in Chelsea, this group that morphed into Generation X. So, uh, really, very quickly, we we started our own group. So, because that's what we were, we were all very much into music, the Bromley contingent. 
and uh, Susie was part of it, Steve, Steve, Steve Severin, and so uh, we were all very... I was nearly in the Banshees for a second, but I just wasn't a good enough guitar player. They need something great, you know. So, uh, but then, uh, yeah, I got with Tony James, and we did Generation X. So. And when was the first time you, you boarded a plane to America? Well, yes, in terms of... Yeah, it would be 81, March 81, I went well, to the States. Do you remember waiting at the airport, waiting to get on the plane, thinking, what on earth is going to unfold, if anything, yeah, if it, everything? It's true. I mean, what was... I mean, the the, the, the charts then was... It was REO Speedways, all these kind of <laughs> so ex-heavy metal... So soft rock. Yeah, who'd gone all... You know, they'd... Yeah, it was sort of pop, heavy metal. It was weird, you know, with harmonies. I say, how do I fit in? But then I thought about people like Jim Morrison and, like, say, John Fogerty or something, and you thought, well, they didn't... You know, and even Frank Sinatra, you know, they didn't didn't always look what they like. There's a smorgasbord of singers. So um, I just thought I had to stick to my guns and go there and see what was going to happen. And it was it was a scary thing. And I had to say to myself, I'm not coming back to England for a year, whatever happens. And then a year went by and I, I stayed, you know. So. You know and he, but even as a Brit, you know, as a teenager back then, I was never sure whether you were a Brit or you were, you were an American. And I know that a lot of people thought that as well, didn't they? Well, I had grown up in America. My first memories of America, because my, my uh, mother's Irish and a lot of her sisters and brothers moved to New York. So we actually moved there when I was three, I think, till I was about five and a half, nearly six. So uh, my initial first accent was American, and then uh, yeah, he called me the American kid at school. You know, give the give the ball to the American kid; we can hack him down. You know, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, uh, but then we soon yeah, we lived, you know, stayed here, and uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I love I love England. You know, it's fantastic. I love um, Britain. Was there a moment <laughs> over in the states? Was there a, an identifiable moment where when it all changed for you? You know, was it a phone call? Was it a performance? Was it the morning after a TV appearance when you just thought, "Hang on a minute, this." this might be the beginning of something big. It was gradual, it really was. I mean, it was these certain steps, playing playing clubs. Uh, then the, the things getting on MTV, that's really shook things up, the videos with, with the music. And then next minute, uh, in the Rebel Yell Tour, we went from clubs to arena, to theatres to arenas by the, in 10 months. So it just it kind of exploded. But it did take a little bit of time, which was good because we got time to really sort of nail down what the Billy Idol thing was. And by Rebel Yell, we really nailed it down with Keith Falsey producing. And Keith, Keith was English, so I'd hooked up with another English guy who was living over there, working with Donna Summer and people like that. But uh, it was great, you know, so it was a little, couple of English Guys, kind of conquering the American charts. It was fun. And your first place in LA, because that's not, you know when you when you 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 turn into your own drive in your own um, Yankmobile into you know into your first place. You think, okay, now I I have landed. Now, what was that like? It was a motorcycle. I was driving a motorcycle, and yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it was just fun. We we uh, we'd gone out there really to have children, to have my um, my son and daughter and things, and so. Uh, so it was a, it was to do with that in some ways, and but uh, yeah, it was kind of kind of wild, you know, uh, all a bit of a dream, you know, sort of thing. But it was fun, you know, it was crazy fun. So because they were kind of crazy years, just being on television and everybody knowing who you were, and I wasn't really expecting all that, you know, because it's a little strange. But yeah, it was fun. Were people a little bit scared of you? We in a good way. Really. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know, but what do you uh, think? What do you think? <laughs> Did you see people? You know, maybe you know a little bit trepidatious in because that's you want danger. You want on, on your radio show, on your stages. You know, <laughs> yeah. you want a bit of danger, don't you? Well, yeah, yeah. We certainly were. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I expect, yeah, it was kind of coming on strong a bit. So, yeah. But it was kind of fun. Yeah, it was kind of, that was what it was all about. You know, the era was like that. It was all a bit extreme, you know. It was all about being a bit over the top and uh, it made it fun, you know. And, and the, when Rebel Yell hit its zenith, how long did that intensity last for? Well, quite a few years. It just carried on one way or another for, you know, God, another 10 years or something. And, uh, yeah, then after that, I took a little bit of a break because it was all, you know, wow, you know, it was just that was a big 10 years kind of thing, 12 okay. years. You know. And you dabbled in movies and you did other things too? Yeah, I was in The Wedding Singer and The Doors movie with Oliver Stone's Doors movie. And I was nearly, I was nearly in the uh, Terminator 2 uh <laughs> we've been talking about that today on the show. Do you know about this? No. Yeah, because we've been talking about uh, The Abyss because um, there's an f- amazing documentary on Sky. It's about great film composers. And they're talking about the film score of The Abyss. And I was talking about the fact that that was a James Cameron flop, but the technology he devised in that went on to help him make Terminator 2. And then Miss Ellie said, but Billy, Billy auditioned for that. How, did you, how far along the process did you get? Well, yeah, I went to meet Jim, Jim Cameron. I had dinner with him. And then you know, I did an audition. But of course... I, I just had that motorcycle accident, so I had a, I still had a noticeable limp, and he really needed someone to run. You know, when the when the T two one thousand or whatever he is run on, runs after the car, you know, in the movie, he he said I can't CGI that. It's got to, you know. So the other thing is too, I could never have brought that cold veneer Robert Patrick bought to it. He really brought this cold veneer to it, which yeah. I, I think that takes a seasoned actor. So uh, so it was great, though, getting the chance. And they even had drawings of me in the Stan Winston, you know, special effects place of me as the Terminator 2. And good, what's it like to, ha- ha- A, live <laughs> in Hollywood, hang around Hollywood, and then B, sometimes drive to, to those famous Hollywood studio lots, you know, uh, because you may or may not be part of the action. What, what does that feel like? Yeah, yes, I, I did go. So yeah, it's kind of uh, yeah, it's kind of wild in a way. You are sort of seeing all this old history in a way. There's because there's you know there's quite a lot of hundred years or more movie history and stuff. So it, you see a lot of that. <laughs> please tell me. You, please tell me you have a cinema in your house. Please just tell me that. <laughs> no, I don't really. <laughs> uh, Ali Metcalf says I've got tickets for Manchester, London, Leeds. Oh my goodness me, there's a fan for you. Tickets for Manchester, London, and Leeds. Boom! Great. Can't wait. To, great to hear Billy on Virgin Radio. Billy Idol, what a dude. Says James and Ely. Just tuned in. Will says I really like the track Rita Hayworth on Billy's brand new EP. All right. Magic. Well, let's fast forward to the here and the now. Um, how did this EP come about? What's been going on for the last five years? Um, how were you under or over or in? between lockdown uh, give us some more colour to do with more recent times well that was it uh, we, we were writing the EP kind of May 2020 May June 2020 so the pandemic was fairly new so I could see all the kind of confusion and problems that were going on and the pain some people were going through and uh, so I but I thought it's a bit soon to try and write a pandemic song but I thought what could I write about that would be something people could identify with and I thought about well I went through a painful horrible motorcycle accident where uh, you know I had many operations I didn't quite know what was going to happen to my future was I going to keep my leg was I not going to keep my leg so I thought maybe if I write about that that would give me, uh, you know, something that people could kind of identify as going through a rough time, but coming through it, really, coming, you know, able to say you came through, you know. Yeah, OK. And what do you, how do you want, if you think about this at all, it may be a redundant question, I apologise if it is. How do you think about the next five, ten years f- from, um, from a life point of view slash career point of view, or are they as one? I'm hoping that, you know, the thing is, we're, we're uh, Steve Stevens as a guitar player is getting better. 
And I think if we carry on making this quality of music we're making, I think we, you know, you can carry on and, and enjoy it really. So uh, yeah, as long as you really, you know, this, it's great playing the classic stuff, but we do need the lifeblood of some new music. And I think we've got that, got this with this EP. We've worked with some really great people, a kind of, you know, collaborators, some great songwriters and uh, producers. As I think it's, it's come out really well. So it took a bit of time to find these people and get this kind of combination right, but I think we've done it. So. Uh, <laughs> That's the, that's the gig. It's great to meet you. You've got a lovely aura about you. Oh, cheers. Well, I hope so. I'm excited. You, you know? can tell you're excited. You're really sparkly-eyed. You're really glad to be here. Uh, thanks so much. Um, Billy Idol, tickets available now for this brand-new tour next year with the Go-Go's in the first half towards the middle of June in the UK. Not many dates, arenas. Uh, get online now, billyidol.net, on sale from 9 o'clock today. Uh, we just had one text from a lady who's bought tickets for three events, uh, three different venues, so you need to get involved in that as soon as you can. When are you back off to the States? When are you back home? Yeah, we're just here for a flying visit. I'm going to go see my sister tomorrow and stuff. So uh, I've got one day to do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'll be back next summer. All yeah, right, mate. Well, it's great to see you. How cool is Billy Idol? There we are. A little nugget of Billy Idol gold to put a pep in your step today, wherever you're hearing this. If you like that, don't forget to rate and review this episode because all the horrible people just want to get their names in lights with a one-star review. They probably haven't even listened, so your five-star reviews really do matter. Please, please rate and review this. And why not dive into more How to Wows via the archives for more wisdom? How about our three dames? We've got Dame Judy Murray, we got Dame Judy Dench, and we've got Dame Emma Thompson. I mean, we have... Look, just go to the How to Our Archives, fill your boots. All right, ta-da.